Hello and welcome back to another episode of the To Be Wed podcast. My name's Emily and I'm going to be your host. And I'm your co-host, Mike. And in this week's episode, we are talking about something which is very special to my heart and Emily's heart as well, which is ways to get more time back on your wedding day. And this this really links in with another episode we did, which was very popular, um, episode number 10 about our ultimate wedding day timeline. And we've been asked a few questions. We actually put a poll up on your Instagram page this morning to see which which topic you guys would like to hear about. And this one was actually the winner. So if you're not over there on Instagram, do come and join us at to be wed underscore podcast. And this episode was something that has been highly requested. And I think for a good reason. I think for us, it's something that's very special to our heart in being able to be um, engaged, just to really stay involved in your actual wedding day and make sure you get enough time with your partner, but also with your guests and with the whole wedding party. Um, as well so making sure you have enough time and and what little things you can do throughout the day to maximize um, your time through the day but before we do that let's jump into what's on fleek this week and it is emily's turn to bring something to the table this week what do you got well okay it's not so much this week because this has been around for a while but i have recently seen it growing in controversy so i kind of wanted to talk about it and get your take because i think it is something that we all decide on when doing wedding planning and i think it has come become a bit of a a trend i guess um that has become a bit controversial and people typically sit either side so that is drumroll wedding favors Now, we know the wedding favors has been around forever, but what I have been seeing is, you know, there's this whole like wedding TikTok, wed TikTok, and there is constant, I guess, arguing between whether it was a regret, whether it was great, whether it's worth it, whether it's not. So I thought this would be a good one to bring to the table and just have a chat about. I'm just first up going to say that um, I don't think they're a good idea. And only for the reason of the majority of weddings that I go to, most of them get left on the table or if they're not on the tables, wherever they are. Or the other alternative is that there is a select few people who go around and have more than one because they're all just being left behind anyway. So mm. do I think they add that much value to your day? No. So in that in that sense, I don't think they're worth it. Yeah, I think that's a good point because, okay, I can see both sides. First is a side of like why to have them. And I think, you know, you get a bit personalized happy when you're planning a wedding. Everything you want it to be personalized, you want it to feel like you. And I think a wedding favor can be an extension of that. It's an opportunity to have personalized and really reflective of you. However, they're expensive. I don't know what you can, like, even if, right, it's $2, the wedding favor, which typically it's going to be more than that. Times up by a, a lot of weddings, like times up by hours 80, that's $160. That's if your favor is $2. And then more than likely, as you said, they're going to be left on the table. <laughs> yeah. And another consideration for me really is like the whole environment thing. Like these things are just going to get thrown out. Like if you're doing personalized stuff, it's going to be mostly a lot of stuff that people aren't going to use again for themselves and it's going to get thrown out. And for us especially, we tried to not go as heavy on the decorations at our wedding because we didn't want to have to throw heaps of stuff away. We didn't want to have to be trying to get rid of stuff the next day. So these are things that are just 
going to go to waste majority of the time. And I think you could put that effort, if you're really wanting to personalize something, put that effort in elsewhere throughout the day to make it more special. Yeah, to be honest, because I was going to say photos, like they can look really lovely in photos, but I think I would rather that people spend time on like doing personalized name cards or personalized menus or something else on the plate because or near the plate because that's typically where your favor sits um, than doing something that will just be thrown away. Yeah. I have seen, however, like some really nice things being given out as like favors because obviously it's nice to give your guests something um, that actually means something to you and it can be it can be something that's edible. It can be something that you only use ever ever once um, and that really means something to you and I think that's nice to give someone that if that is something that really means something to you. Yeah, you know what? Actually, you know, talking about meaning something to you, that we actually saw today and I thought was a really lovely idea. It kind of goes against, you know, it means that you're not wasting is the Cancer Council um, actually sent us a letter and suggested it. So thanks, Cancer Council. And it was actually buying the like daffodil badges, which are $2 a pop, and then giving them to all your wedding guests as favours on the plate. Because at the end of the day, if it gets left behind, the money is still being donated to charity. So it's not wasteful in the same sense which i thought was a really cool idea so if there is something maybe that's a way you could do it like if there is something that you can buy off a charity that means a lot to you and give that to get as wedding favors you're paying the charity for that and then if you waste it well you know it's not really any too much harm Hmm. another thing that i've seen if you want you guests be able to take something home from your wedding is we've seen like people allowing guests to take flowers home to take parts of the decorations home you know, at the end of the night because obviously all the flowers and all the all the other leaves and stuff have to get thrown out majority of the time. So allowing guests to take those home, allowing them to take other decorations, you know, if you're having like sparkler exits, if there's any leftovers, you know, any small little bits like that that people can take home, like that you're not yeah. going to use again, like maybe trying to think about other parts of your day where there are things where they can take. But I don't think anyone in this day and age is turning up to a wedding expecting to get a favour on their plate. You know, no one's expecting an individualized favor um, when they turn up to a wedding. I think they're already happy enough to be there, happy enough to be invited, happy enough to have a meal and alcohol freely supplied. So um, for me, it doesn't add a lot to the day. But if it is something that really means something to you, of course, of course, um, spend the time and effort. But I just don't really see the need in it. Yeah. Well, it seems like we know what we like, but I guess keep an eye out on our Instagram and we'll put a poll up and see how where others land on it also. Yeah, for sure. This is definitely something that um, a lot of people will have different opinions on than us. But now let's jump into today's episode. And this is all about how to get more time back on your wedding day. I think this is something super important. And as I said, rolls on from episode number 10, where we talked about our wedding day timeline and trying to plan your time uh, throughout your day to be able to make more time for yourself, for you and your partner, but for you and your guests as well, to be able to spend more time with more people. And there's a lot of things that I think that you can do some of which will require a bit more money. Others will just require a bit more planning beforehand. There's going to be just some, some decisions that you have to make in order to make some of these things work, but I think they will really pay off in the end. So do you want to, do you want to jump into one of the first things that you think we can do? Yeah, I want to start at the very beginning part of the day. And I want to start with hair and makeup. Typically this, um, you know, is done by a lot of people during their wedding and, It was something that I didn't really necessarily 
put a lot of thought into. I thought, okay, will you get, you know, your hair and makeup artist for me? They were, um, I booked one person, which is often very common. And I remember when I went to, I was inquiring and I said, this is how many people I have. So for reference, I was having six people getting their hair and makeup done. And the artist asked, you know, well, when do you need to be ready by? And remembering that you need to be ready about 30 minutes to an hour before your ceremony. And they were like, you either A, have to get up super, super early. So for context, it's about an hour and a half per person. Time's up by six. It's an awful lot of time. Um, And so... Or they said, bring on another makeup artist for $150. And I remember thinking like, whoa, $150? Absolutely not. I'm already paying so much. But then the more we talked about it and thought about it, it was great. And I'm now in hindsight, I'm actually so thankful I went with that option. It might not save a lot of time in terms of getting to your ceremony, but it will save you a lot of time in the morning. It meant that I could have a leisurely breakfast, but it actually did end up saving us time at the end because we were pushed for time towards the end anyway. So I cannot imagine if it was left to one person without an assistant, just how bloody long it would take. And another thing in the morning that I actually found save time is going out for breakfast. And this was a debate my bridesmaids and I had as to whether we go out for breakfast or we have it in my hotel room or someone's hotel room. Um, And I'm actually so glad we went out for breakfast. It kind of sounds counterintuitive, but it meant that one, we didn't have to cook breakfast. And then also most importantly, clean up after breakfast unless you're having someone else come like another family member or something coming and cleaning up and cooking for you it's going to take a lot of unnecessary time whereas like we could just go to the cafe get served and go another thing that i want to touch on um, in terms of early in the day is thinking about where you're going to get ready and i think this is a big thing in terms of the locations for your day for me i always tell people to try to reduce the amount of travel that you have to do through your day so thinking about where you're going to get ready in the morning in relation to where your ceremony is. So try to make that as close as possible so that you don't have to go travel around. Now, for us, it was the fact that we were in a hotel um, and we had stayed there the night before and then you were going to get ready fairly close by, you know, so we didn't have to travel a long way. I've seen other people who have to travel forever, travel half hour, and half hour might, might not sound like a long time, but think about the fact that you're traveling this at, say, 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock on a Saturday afternoon. You know, you're going to be in pretty heavy traffic normally at that time of day. And half hour is a long time on your wedding day. Like think about how much you can do in half hour. Yeah. And I actually love this point because my, as I just touched on, as my hair and makeup actually went a bit over time. And it didn't go over time because of the makeup artist. It actually went over time because of the emotions of the day and that things come up or the photographer wants a couple shots, whatever it might be you will probably run a little bit late. Now, let's say like we were seven to eight minutes in normal traffic away from the venue. So like 15 minutes, very max. I think it took me nine minutes or something to get there. But what that meant is I had a leeway of over 20 minutes to be late or behind schedule and still be able to make the ceremony on time. Whereas if you need to travel 30 minutes and you're 10 minutes late, all of a sudden you're going to be 10 minutes late to your ceremony because you haven't 
left the appropriate amount of time. And maybe you've only based that on when your hair and makeup artist is going to finish, but in reality haven't allocated any additional time for emotions or eating or whatever might pop up. Yeah, another thing when it comes to travel is the travel between ceremony and reception. Now, I've heard this sort of swing a couple of ways. I've seen it happen where, like in our example, where it was really close by, but I've had other examples where I've been working at weddings where I've had to travel like an hour between ceremony and reception locations. Um, And for me, spending an hour in the car on your wedding day is not something I wanted to do and it's not something we chose to do. But I have heard good reports from, from other brides and grooms that they were really happy to be in the car for that hour and have that bit of chill time, right? It's all up to you, I guess, in that how much time do you want to be spending with your guests and how far do you want to make your guests travel on the day? For us, we really wanted to spend time with our guests because a lot of them were from out of town, a lot of them we hadn't seen before, you know. For us, it was important to have a little bit of time through the day and I think it's nice to have that bit of travel time in the car. Often I hear from a lot of people that that little bit of travel time is probably one of the nicest parts of the day to be able to sit down and just have a bit of relax. I mean, I always encourage people to plan about 10 to 15 minutes into their day where they can just spend with each other and I think that's really nice. And if you can do that in the car um, while you're traveling somewhere, well, then that's great as well. But traveling an hour might be a bit too far for you if you're really wanting to spend time with your guests. So thinking about where your ceremony and reception locations are in terms of each other, in relation to each other, um, can really save you a lot of time through the day and save your guests a lot of time, a lot of stress about thinking about when they have to leave between uh, the two and then thinking about how much time you can actually spend with them. Yeah, I, I try and think of it as time you can control. So if you have booked your locations 40 minutes apart, whether you're running on schedule or not, that 40 minutes is still going to exist. Let's say you organize the same amount of time, 40 minutes for alone time go get a coffee, go for a walk, whatever it could be. Let's say you organize a time and you're running 20 minutes behind schedule or more. That time can then be cut down. It doesn't have to be 40 minutes. It might be 20 minutes. It might be 10. Like I know for us, for example, we were running short on time just due to um, guest photos taking longer than we expected. And it meant that we actually cut one location out of our photos but it was time that we could control whereas as i just said if you have to travel 40 kilometers or 40 minutes you have to travel that yeah and it's all about murphy's law right if anything is able to go wrong it will go wrong so don't plan to have instances where things can go wrong you know you could get stuck in traffic at that time on a saturday afternoon you just don't know so if you're going to plan to drive that far plan that there is a possibility something could go wrong there could be an accident on the road you know you might get stuck in traffic you might add half hour to the rest of your afternoon but if you plan something that's around the corner and there's a little bit of traffic it's not going to take you that much longer you know if it's an hour drive and something goes wrong it might take you an hour and a half if it's only an eight to ten minute drive and something goes wrong worse it takes you only 15 minutes so you're not adding much time to the day anyway another thing that's really popular at the moment is having separate locations to go and take photos now this is very popular even with people who have an all-in-one venue who get married like on a farm or something like that and the ceremony reception is the same spot, but then they decide to drive off the farm to go and take photos or drive across to the other side of the farm or go elsewhere onto another location to go and take photos. You know, they head back into town, they go somewhere else, they go to another location nearby. A lot of people like to do that, but a lot of people like to do like more than one location. And I think that's starting to get a, bit, a little bit overkill when you're going to more than one location because you're increasing the chances that things can go wrong in there. If you've got a lot of moving parts, if you decide to go 
with your whole bridal party to one location and then only go with the only go with your partner to the other location, you've then got to move who's driving all those cars, who's who's coordinating all that. You know, there's a lot of things that could go wrong there. Maybe choose a location for your wedding party photos nearby your ceremony and then just go and take your couple photos off-site somewhere else that's nearby. Yeah, I think this is a great idea and my thinking would be this kind of comes into your mind when you're booking a venue, right? Because if you want that farm vibe and your venue doesn't have that, well, maybe get a venue that's at least near somewhere that does have that. Or if you want a beachy vibe, at least get a venue that's near, like the reception, I mean, at least near where those locations are so that, you know, you can you can get those shots and also just be open to, you know, being flexible. And, you know, if you can't get to the three locations, well, at least you get to two and that's okay. Yeah, it's really hard to orchestrate um, a lot of things, a lot of moving parts. It's hard to sort of say, well, I'm not going to get married anywhere near the beach, but I want my all my photos to be on the beach in the afternoon. So I'm going to drive half hour to get there. That's all really nice in theory, but it's not going to work really on the day. It's going to probably add more stress as nice as the photos may turn out it's going to add more stress to your afternoon and do you really want that you have to weigh these up and these are decisions that you can be making a long way in advance um, in order to make your day less stressful and allow you to have more time with other people there on your day i know we've spoken a lot about photos but the last thing that i really want to say and that's something that does give people a lot of time back in the afternoon is having a first look before the ceremony this is something that I really recommend to a lot of people if you're not getting married um, for like religious reasons and you are happy not to walk down the aisle and have that be the first moment where you, the bride and groom see each other. If you want to have a first look before the ceremony, this opens you up to so many other different options. So having that private moment then allows you to take a lot more photos before the ceremony, before people get there, and then you can spend so much more time with your guests, right? Yeah, and I think... Look, I didn't have a first look, so I can't really speak to this a lot, but I have seen heaps and heaps of people who have done first looks and said the moment is still the exact same. When someone sees you before and then when someone sees you walking down the aisle, it is still just as special. So I would encourage people who are considering, you know, who want more time and think maybe a first looks for them, but is scared that it's going to ruin that moment. Just go, you know, watch a couple videos or something about couples who have done that. Because in my experience, just from what I've seen online is it doesn't ruin those experiences. I would also encourage this for people who are feeling a bit nervous about PDA or vows or any of that kind of stuff, because you can do that in the first look. I was watching a video the other day and someone was explaining that they're so glad they did a first look because one of them were feeling really nervous in the lead up to the ceremony, not because they were getting married, but because they were going in front of family and they felt a bit nervous about it. And they said the first look really alleviated a lot of those um, fears. Yeah. I don't know that we've spoken about like how we stayed together the night before our wedding and how that was something that was really special for us. Like, I don't think if you see the person before they walk down the aisle, that's any like bad juju for you. Like, I think that's a really nice moment to have that in private beforehand. Like there's no need to have that moment in front of 80 to 100 people that are there at your wedding. It's nice to have that beforehand. And if you are someone who wants to read your vows beforehand, you can do that. Like if that's something you really want to do and you're, you know, you're having that type of ceremony where you can just read your vows in private beforehand, that, and that removes something that you have to do during the ceremony. And then you can cut down time there. In this way, you're allowed to do other things outside the norm. You know, you, you have to do the ceremony, but... 
you can have that first look beforehand and go and take all your wedding party photos before the ceremony even starts so that then after the ceremony, you don't have to go away with the wedding party and take photos. You can spend it with guests who have then turned up. You know, this is very helpful for a lot of people who are having all-in-one wedding venues where their ceremony reception is straight on the same place. You know, there's only an hour between them. They don't have to go away from all the guests to go and take photos because they've had them before the ceremony. So this is a really nice way to add more time. You're not really, you're not really, you're not really going to give yourself more time. You're just changing around the structure of the day to make sure that you're spending time with the other people while they're actually there. I now want to roll into some of the things that I think you can do at your reception because I think there's a lot you can do at your reception to um, increase the time that you have at the reception. A lot of receptions tend to drag and I think this is a big thing for a lot of people when planning their wedding is how to not make it drag on forever because sometimes it can seem a little bit boring. There's a lot of things you feel like you have to do. How can you squeeze everything into three hours? A lot of receptions only go for three to four hours. So how can you fit everything into sort of four-hour period? If you're trying to get a dance floor in as well and trying to actually have time on there, how can you how can you jam everything in? So I think that's really important to do that. A few of the things that I want to firstly say is around food. Now, a lot of things you can do with food. If you really want more time throughout the night, plan to go with a venue that actually serves the food rather than people having to get up out of their mm. chairs and go to like a buffet style. Because if people are walking around serving, you can be conducting other things over that time and people don't have to be moving. You're not really wasting time there throughout the night. Yeah, and there was just something that was a huge time saver for us is doing the speeches over these meals because people are already sitting there. To be honest, people usually tune out in speeches anyways at some point so at least if people did tune out they had their food there it was kind of like entertainment in a way but it also they were going to sit down and eat anyway so try and double up on some of the things um that need to happen at the reception if you can and as you said you probably wouldn't do speeches over a buffet because everyone's moving yeah exactly and another thing on that is like try to group activities together try and group tasks so when everyone first walks in the room Try to have something there. Like, you know, when people first walk into the room, have them still standing. If you're doing a whole wedding party entrance, then head straight into the first dance, you know, while everyone's still up and standing so that you're not having everyone sit down, having the MC stand up, announce something else, then come back to it. It's the same with speeches as well. Try to group speeches together so that the MC's not having to get back up, ask everyone to head back to what they're doing and then announce another round of speeches. Try to group speeches together. And if they are over meals, then you're going to save yourself even more time as well. Another thing that I thought helped us save a lot of time, but I know helps a lot of people to save heaps of time on their wedding day is to delegate tasks to other people. If you walk into your wedding day um, being the only person who knows how the whole day is going to play out, it's inevitably going to go wrong. It's going to be stressful for you because you're going to be asked by a lot of people what's meant to happen next. So explaining it to other people before the day, explaining it to people who might be there, your MC especially, but also other people in your bridal party, other other close friends and family, so that if something goes wrong, there is someone else to ask and you're not going to be approached throughout the day and be dragged away from things if things do go wrong. And, and there needs to be something that needs to be changed on the fly. Yeah, um, what we did was I actually created like a Google Doc and it had all the information from my head in it or our head in that and it just allowed people to have a point of information sourcing where they could take their own like initiative and you weren't having to reply to messages because as you and I know 
the, the couple days leading up to the wedding, you'll get a heap of messages. And then on the wedding day, you got a lot of questions. I felt pretty lucky. I didn't have a lot of questions, but I also had some really good bridesmaids and point person around me that were like on top of it. Yeah. And I think that was really helpful for us to be able to have, have those few people who actually knew what was happening. Um, also for me, I think I wasn't super good at actually delegating because on the morning of our wedding, I was there sort of doing preparation at our reception venue. Now, if I wanted to get more time back in my morning, I did end up being a bit stressed for time, a bit pressed because I was there probably a bit longer than I needed to be um, just because it, it did take so long. Um, and if I if I did want to get more time back, I probably could have asked someone else to go and do that and I didn't need to necessarily be there um, or I didn't need to be there for as long as I was. You know, I could have just walked in the end and made sure everything was fine. So um, making sure that you're asking the right people and, and making sure you have people on board who can help you with your day because that is going to speed up a lot of things throughout your day. Now, I know I've spoken on photography a lot, but I think it is one of the things that does slow your day down and there are a lot of things that you have to do with photography. But I think there are also things you can do with photography that can speed your day up and there are little tricks and little hacks that can go about it. Now, one of the things that I was speaking to a couple about recently was the idea of having couple portraits during their reception while everyone else is eating their meal. Now, if you're getting married in the summertime uh, when there's daylight savings, normally you want to be taking photos at sunset and that is generally around 8 o'clock, around 7.30, 8 o'clock, depending on the time of year um, you're getting married. So that will normally fall in the middle of your reception. While everyone else is eating their meals, why don't you sneak out for 10 to 15 minutes and go and take some photos? Because no one's really going to notice you go on. They're eating their meals anyway. If you're not going to have speeches over that time anyway, you can sort of you can sort of step away, go and take photos during that time if you get pressed for time during the afternoon. Now, this will really help people who are having that all-in-one style venue where your ceremony goes straight into your reception. You're having a cocktail hour straight away. You're spending time with friends and family, hanging out and you forget to take photos or you get a bit pressed for time. You'd rather spend it with them then. Then when the reception does start, you then can sneak out for 15 minutes after the meals are served because normally you'll have half hour between meal services to give people time to eat. Obviously, they have to get around to all the tables. Your table gets served first, you eat, then go and take your photos. You're able to do, first off, you're able to get photos over sunset, which is always really nice. But second, you're saving yourself time there that you probably would have just been spending in your chair because there was probably nothing to do at that time of night. So. It's not really about um, adding more time again, but about moving things around so that you get more time in the afternoon when friends and family are all hanging out outside in the nice afternoon sun. And then the last point that I will say, and this is a big thing, um, although it didn't really work on our wedding day, I have seen it work quite well, is having a family photo list. Making sure you write down a list of groups of people or groups of family members who you want to take photos of because... After your ceremony, a lot of people are going to be after photos, be going to be coming up asking you, can they take a photo? If you've already got a list, if you announce it at the end of your ceremony, people will know that their family photo is going to come or their group photo or, their, or if it's a group of friends or it's people you work with or you went to school with, people like that, they will know that they're having a group photo. So they won't come and ask you, approach you, take you away um, from that moment and then it will run a lot smoother because you can get someone um, there coordinating that so that you can just stand in one place Everyone's going to come to you, take the photo and go. Yeah, I guess the struggle with this, right, is that um, how do you distribute that information? We've seen it done in a couple of ways, have someone yell out. We've also seen people put at the end of their um, ceremony booklet. Um, and that that's really the hard bit about making this work is actually how do you distribute that information? Because we all know that people get really excited and they're like, I'm going to get all the shots on my phone. And then you have to try and figure out like, I mean, in our instance, we did tell people there were photos coming up and no one really 
you know, no one necessarily followed that. So it can become quite difficult. So I think even though, and then the next challenge is if you are doing, you know, a person who's yelling out is making sure they know the pe- who the people are and making sure they're also confident enough to go and find those people who are on your shot list. And also don't move too far away from people so that they have to walk a mile. Like make sure you're in a central spot where you can take photos, but then it's easy for people to move in and out of the way. You know, like people, are, you're not up against a wall where people can't sneak out out the back and, and move out. You know, make sure you're in a good spot where people can just move in, move out, and it's easy to get photos. Another tip with this is to have it in the reverse order that you would normally think of. And this is a tip just to try to give your guests a bit more time. So if you have friends and family and you have people who are going to be in multiple photos, try to put like friends at the start and do the really big group photo at the start and then work your way down to smaller family photos. So making sure those group photos are first so then all your friends can head off. Because if you're doing family photos first, all your friends are going to have to hang around until the end, but then you're probably going to be doing heaps of family photos and in other combinations. So if there's family there that are going to be in heaps of photos or in smaller group photos, individually even, if you're going to take photos like that, leave them till last because they can stick around because they're going to be in more than one photo. But if you've got friends who are just going to be in one photo and then go, try to get them first and then that really gives them more time in the afternoon. I just think that's a nice way um, to be able to do that, especially when you're starting out with a big group photo, which is very which is very popular, make sure you do that first and then you can send all the people off who you're not going to have photos with because you're going to get time um, in the afternoon or in your reception to take photos with those type of people. Yeah, I really like that idea as well. But that is about all the tips that we're going to bring today, guys. I didn't want this episode to go too long, but I think there are some things in there that you can really implement to make sure that your day runs a lot smoother but also gives you time back with your partner but gives you time back with your friends and family and your guests at your wedding. And as always, if you did enjoy today's podcast and you found some helpful tips and tricks in there, make sure you share it maybe with someone else who's engaged or even your partner. And make sure to follow us over on Instagram at tbwed underscore podcast where you can follow, you know, behind the scenes or um, vote on what's on fleek this week. So make sure you head over there as well. And also, I just want to give a shout out to everyone who listened to last week's episode. It was actually one of our most popular episodes in the recent um, few weeks. And I really appreciate all the support and everyone who has been turning around every week and coming back and listening to a new episode. If you have been enjoying our episodes, we would really appreciate it if you could give us a rating on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. It takes less than like five seconds to go give us a rating there on our podcast homepage on either of those two apps, wherever you're listening to this as well. We would really appreciate it and it helps us get the podcast out to a new audience. But... Until next week, guys, we hope you have a great week and we will talk to you all again next Friday. Happy planning.